0: Hear what Paul said in Acts chapter 17 and verse 22, when he got to a place to preach. Put up Acts 17 and verse 22. So this we were worshiping that great mind here. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, ye men of Athens. Now, is this same? I'm, I'm reading history to you. Now, here is scripture here. Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by, behold your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him do I declare unto you. In other words, he was saying they were trying to reach God. This is what he was saying here is that the scripture unknown God which means this man actually said it's not all these things but he, he didn't know the name of that God so he just called the God antenna and said this God represents is the person that is responsible for the order that is responsible and began to worship and Paul came and said look look you guys made a mistake here and he said God that made the world, sorry, go back to 23, and you see, he didn't castigate them and just say, this idolatry, get out. He said, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to reach him. He said, but you ignorantly whom? Look at what he says. Whom therefore, which means he's the one, that you ignorantly worship. You ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. Verse 24, God that made the world and all things therein, seen that he is Lord of heaven and the earth dwelleth not with temples made with hands. And then he says, Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life, breath, and all things. Verse 26, and hath made of us one blood and to determine and all of that. And it's 27, it says, In him, and they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him to find him. So you feel after him is there though he be not far from every one of us. In other words, he recognized that Paul told them that God, all right, is omnipresent. For in him we live. He was talking to them. In him we have a being. Now he said, you caught it, but you you did it ignorantly. He says, for your poets have said, which means your own poets, for we are also of his offspring, and he was quoting that now. I read history and that's Bible now. So, I want to see here when John came and said the logos. Now, could you please put up, all right, uh, right up here on the definition of logos? So, when, when John came and John, all right, and came and said, Logos, you understand when he said, in the beginning, because that's what Pericles was talking about. That in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word, all right, uh, the word was God, and the word was God, and all things were made by him, and without him was not anything. And that's what Pericles was trying to reach there. And he says, the church has been cradled, now, there's a definition of how the Logos came, in Judaism, but now she had to present her message to a Greek world. To which categories is this William Barclay's definition of how we got the word logos? And William Barclay was known as the number one person in Greek at his time, professor in Greek. To which the categories of Judaism were quite alien, as Godspeed put it, a Greek who felt like becoming a Christian was called upon to accept Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah. In other words, the Jews were coming and preaching the Messiah, talking about the high priest and all of that. And to the Greek man, to the Gentile world, they didn't have all of that. They didn't know about the priesthood. There was no Moses. Those things were completely foreign to them. So when they were trying to communicate God and Jesus, they were trying to find something that the Greeks and the Gentiles could understand. So they were looking because they couldn't come and say the Messiah uh, waiting for uh, the Elijah. They didn't know all of that. So This is what happened. He would naturally ask what this meant and would have to be given a short course in Jewish apocalyptic talk, apocalyptic thought. Was there no way in which he might be introduced directly to the values of Christian civilization without ever being routed, which means we might even say deterred, through Judaism? Must Christianity always speak in a Jewish vocabulary. Around about AD 100, there was a man in Ephesus called John who saw this problem and perhaps was the greatest mind in the Christian church. And suddenly he saw the solution. Both Jew and Greek possessed the conception of the logos, called of God. Could the two ideas not be brought together Let's see the Greek background with what John had to work. A way back in 500 BC, there was a Greek philosopher, all right, who also lived in Ephesus and conceived the world as what he called a flux. Everything in a state of change. There is nothing static in the world. But if everything is changing in the time, he says, why is the world not an absolute complete chaos? His answer, that all things happen according to what he called the Logos. In the world, there is a reason and a mind at work. That mind is the mind of God. God's logos, and it is the logos which makes the world an ordered cosmos and not a disordered chaos. The idea of a mind, a reason, a logos ruling the world fascinated the Greeks. And Exegoras spoke the mind of the mind, which rules over all things. Plato declared that it was God's logos which kept the planets in their courses and brought back the seasons and the years in their appointed times. But it was Stoics who were at their strongest when the New Testament was being written who passionately loved this conception. To them, the logos of God, as Clentis had said, roamed through all things. The times, the seasons, the tides, the stars... Their own causes were ordered by the Logos. It was the Logos that put sense into the world. Further, the mind of a man himself was a little portion of this Logos. Reason is nothing else than a part of the divine spirit amassed, they said, into the human body, said Seneca. It was the Logos which put sense into the universe, sense into man. This Logos was nothing other than the mind of God. This conception was brought to its highest peak by Philo, who was an Alexandrian Jew, and who, was the, who had the aim of joining together in one synthesis the highest thoughts of Jew and Greek. To him, the Logos was inscribed and engraved upon the constitution of all things. The Logos is the tale by which the pilot of the universe tears all things. Every man is akin to understanding the divine Logos. Again and again, the church has failed in its task through mental laziness, through the fear to cut adrift from the past, through shrinking from possible heresy. But the man who will discover a new continent must accept the hazard of sailing upon uncharted sea. If we're ever going to tell people about the Christian message, we must tell them in a language they can understand. That is precisely what John did. He was giving us a new Christology by calling Jesus the Logos. John was saying two things about Jesus. Jesus is the creating power of God coming to man. man. He does not only speak the word of knowledge, he is the word of power. He did not so much say things as to do things for us. Jesus is the incarnate mind of God. We might well translate John's word. The mind of God became man. A word is always the expression of a thought And Jesus was God's thought for men. Pericles here was reaching out for the Logos. When he saw the chaos, he said the reason why there's chaos in grace is that there's a mind there we need to make contact, all right, with this mind and try to do that. And God said there in Romans, he said when they knew him, which means came in contact with the Logos there, they didn't worship him, all right, as God. And they were not grateful there. So their hearts became darkened. So the church needs to capture this. This is very fundamental there. And once we capture this and begin to worship Jesus, and understand that we look, that's what David said, look at the stars, look at all these things, and begin to worship and look into creation, and begin to worship, and begin to worship the the person, the embodiment of everything that has order. Then our mind, all right, that has longed, what Pericles was saying was that the human mind must worship the greater one there. It has come, all right, his source is the Logos. It came out of Jesus and must respond if it's to function well. If it's not worshiping and directed towards the Logos in worship, then it will degenerate. And look at Romans 2. He says all kinds of passions and all kinds of things will take over the life of that man. So the first thing is that he has to redirect his mind in worship unto God. By doing that, he makes connection, all right, with the logos. Who is the one that is, will give all kinds of brilliant ideas? Proverbs calls him wisdom. He says, by me is the knowledge of witty inventions. He talks about it. that order there that once the church, all right, begins to respond in that particular way, and begins to worship. Now, look at Nebuchadnezzar, all right? Daniel chapter 4. Let's just look at verse 1. Look at Nebuchadnezzar here, and look at his relationship with the logos. Nebuchadnezzar the king, this, this particular chapter was written by Nebuchadnezzar. He says, the king to all people, nations, languages that dwell in the earth. I hope this is not too deep. He says, peace to you and be multiplied. Now, just to cut the story short, we know the story. We go to verse 18. He said, I thought it good to show you guys the signs and wonders the Lord has shown towards me. He now said, He had a dream. And this dream, I, King Nebuchadnezzar, all right, I have seen. Now, therefore, Belteshazzar, old Belteshazzar, which was Daniel, declared the interpretation thereof, for as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known unto me this interpretation, but thou art able, for the spirit of the holy gods dwell in thee. And then next verse, Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for an hour, his thoughts troubled him. The king spoke and said, But teach it, let not the dream and interpretation thereof trouble thee. And he answered and said, My Lord, the dream be to them that hate thee, and the interpretation thereof to your enemies. And then he told them that the tree that you saw, which grew, whose height reached the heaven, the side thereof to the earth, he says, and whose leaves was fair, midst to all, branches and all of that. Verse 22: It is thou, O king, thou art grown, become strong for the greatness of thy greatness has grown, and reached to heaven, and thy dominion to the end of the earth. And then he goes on and says, you saw the watcher, the holy one coming, saying, hew down the tree and destroy it, yet leave the stump in the roots, he says, thereof in the earth, and all of that. He says there, this is interpretation, O king, this is the decree of the most high, which has come upon my lord, O king. He says, they shall drive thee from men, and thou shalt be with the beast, and shall make thee eat grass, Oxen, he says, and you'll be there until seven times pass over these seven years, till thou know the most high ruler in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomsoever he wills. Now, then we go to verse 34, 34 to 36. So this is what, so this was a king, imagine this, who was driven, all right, out, uh, and came how can driven and placed with animals, so you'll be going on the road and see him eating with animals. Someone that was once king. Now, see how restoration came. And at the end of days, I Nebuchadnezzar lifted up my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned. In other words, look at what it says. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised him and honored him, which means worship started going, and understanding started coming. That's what it was saying. Understanding started coming. How to build. How The way that Babylon was built started coming back. He made contact with the Logos, and the Logos began to supply ideas. Look at verse 35. He says, in verse 35, All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He doeth according to his will in the army of the heavens, the inhabitants of earth. None can stay his hand. What doest thou? Verse 36. And then he went on, The same time my reason returned. Now, that's the reason there. That is, his mind now got back the understanding of how he became king and all of that. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor, brightness, returned. Which means the first thing that returned was reason. The first thing that returned was understanding to his mind. And then he said, every other thing began to return. All right? So first step, I'll say four things here. Right? Connecting with ideas. You are in any situation there, don't start praying, God kill this person that's here, or remove this person, or remove me. Understand that God wants to grow you, teach you to be wiser, bring you into contact, that's what they were telling Paul, my grace is sufficient, the areas of your weaknesses, my strength will be perfected, you are going to grow on the inside, you are going to come in contact, all right, which means that you are stagnant, don't blame it on anything, just say that my mind has not made contact with the mind of God, all right, in order to get the thoughts of God that I need to implement in order for me to be able to make progress. In any environment in which I am, regardless of any form of perception. Perceived opposition or the wind that is blowing, you can walk on water. That's what you're saying here. I mean, you 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 can walk on water, all right, even though the winds are blowing. So don't blame it on the winds, right? And that's what we're doing. I said, so why can't you walk on water because the winds are blowing? Listen, that's not why you're not walking. Now, many people are blaming the environment. The environment has nothing to do with their failure, all right? Just like saying, well, the reason I can't walk on water is simply because the winds are blowing. The winds are blowing. All right? It's because you don't know how to walk on water. All right? So instead of us blaming the outside, let's start with inside. So what do you do first? You are in the midst of that. Understand that God wants to teach me and God wants to give me. So the first thing I do is the same way. I'm going to look back to heaven. All right, and begin to, your mind has got to worship. Your mind can't worship because your mind can't worship external things. If you don't do this, then your mind gets plugged because the mind must worship. So the mind begins to look for things to worship. Worships human beings, worships. If you don't worship God, the mind was created. That's how the mind functions. All right, a tap was made, all right, to things. If, if, if you don't put good water, bad water will come up. But the tap was made, all right, to eject water. The mind was made to worship. And it's from where it worships, it draws out, all right, ideas there. And so once you direct it there to the logos, and that's the name of Jesus, which means he is the mind of God, all right. And so when you worship him, you, you are worshiping, all right, that, and, and, and then you get plugged all right, to Jesus, the logos of God, and things begin to flow. So open your mind, number one, to worship. Redirect worship to him alone. He's the logos. His mind will make contact with yours for transference. Ideas, all right, now begin to come. Direct it at him. Understand that the biggest problem is not without. The biggest problem is within. That's the second thing here. So never blame it on the outside, all right? It's within. In other words, wisdom level is what is the issue, okay? So you need to ask God, right, what lies on the inside of me that has to be completely removed? I begin to teach me, open my eyes to show me this. We say this in Psalm 32, all right? Psalm 32, quickly, I have five more minutes now. Psalm 32, verse one. Blessed is that man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, Blessed is that man whom the Lord will not impute iniquity, in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silent, my bones waxed all through my roaring all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy, not the devil, God's hand was heavy. That there is something, and this is what Peter spoke about. He says, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up in season. In other words, that hand is not lifting you, that hand is keeping you down. God's hand holds you down there. He says, my moisture was torn to the drought of summer. In other words, stagnant, all kinds of things. He said, then I acknowledge my sin. In other words, he recognized that there was something. This sin here doesn't have to mean you are doing something consciously wrong. It means that God is saying, listen, sin there means you are missing the mark. I acknowledge that I must be missing the mark. I acknowledge that I am not walking in the right path. I acknowledge that that on the inside of me. He said, I was there, God. I know what you are trying to do. That is this, the chastisement of God. He says, why don't you be in reverence to the Father of Spirit? I let him teach you, all right? That which I see teach me. I acknowledge that I must be missing an intended mark for my life. That's what it means there. Quickly put it back there. He says, my iniquity, I said, I will confess my transgression, thou forgivest the iniquity of my sin. Look at what he says. For this, for this, this is the prayer point, shall everyone that is godly, not ungodly, which means you're a godly person, you pray that. Godly. Pray unto thee in a time where thou may be found. Surely the floods of great water shall not come. Surely. Which means start praying this way. And there are all kinds of things happening on the outside. He says it won't come near you. Why? Verse 7. He says, Thou art my hiding place. You will preserve me from trouble. Thou will compass me with songs of deliverance. Same thing he says in Job. I will instruct thee, which is what you need. I will teach thee in the way that thou should go. I will guide thee with my own eye. So worship him and ask him to teach you that, listen, take responsibility. If it's not working, it is ignorance on the inside, not the enemy that is formidable on the outside. I am responding, all right, emotionally to things that I should be responding wisdom to. First Peter chapter 5, we'll close with this from verse 5, all right, to 9. First Peter 5 from 5 to 9. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Be subject one to another, clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, And gives grace to the humble. So he says, and he wants to show you something. Submit. Look for somebody that is ahead of you, all right, that you listen to. He says if if you don't think that you need to listen to anybody and you don't put this kind of arrangement in your life, even if it's by books or whatever, he says that you're a proud person and God will resist that person there. It's not the devil that resists. God will resist. You know, we'll get to a place where he says resist the devil. Well, he says this one, God is resisting that kind of person. God resists the proud, gives grace. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand, that's that hand, that he may exalt you in due time, which means as you're praying, open my eyes, have a connection with somebody there that, you know, you can get that information on the adjustments that you need to make. Casting all your care upon him, for He careth for you. And then he goes on there and says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary is like a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour which means he's looking for that person that won't humble himself, that person that will come out and be saying there's no problem. Then he says we can get to this person. But one that humbles himself in prayer before God, one that gets, has that kind of relationship going on, reading and, and, and searching for information that will help them. He says he can't access that person. He, now in the last verse there, look at verse 10. He says, okay, whom resisted fast in faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished. You resist him in the faith by behaving All right, the right way. All right, humble yourself there. But the whole idea here is making contact, all right, with the logos of God. And once you start doing that, then ideas begin to come. Don't forget what he says. He says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts. All right, and as rain comes down from heaven, so his thoughts is that rain that comes in the life of a person that begins to bring about growth and increase. So if there is no progress, it's not because of how formidable the enemy is on the outside. It's because you are void of the reign of God, continuous supply of the thoughts of God on the inside of self. Don't give Satan the glory there, all right? Understand that there is a wisdom that God can give to you. And this is what Pericles came to understand and built that Greek empire there and said, and he didn't even know God the way we know God, but he was reaching for him, called him by different names. And when Paul came, he said, listen, that person you are trying to reach, It's called the Logos. It was actually Jesus that you directed it, our calling by another name. So let's do that, all right? Let's bring this to an end and have that attitude of worshipping, looking, and let thoughts begin to come. And as we begin to implement these thoughts, powerful things will begin to happen in our lives. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this word. I pray that this week over the life of every single person will be a week of encounters, that the heavens will be opened over their lives. And the logos jesus himself our high priest will begin to supply thoughts into the life of every single person at the sound of my voice concerning what they're going through now concerning their future there and you'll grant them grace for you are the one who is at work both to will and to do that inner strength to implement and to obey every single thing that you will show them. In jesus. Amen. thank you for listening